What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to the Some Dare Call It Conspiracy Podcast. Hosted by Brent Lee and Neil Sanders. After nearly 20 years exploring the world of conspiracy culture, we are taking our guests and listeners on a guided tour of the rabbit hole. Our mission to discover where the truth lies. We've actually made it. There's two milestones mm-hmm. that I thought once we've hit these two milestones, we officially make it. You know, we're officially a good podcast. Okay. One is obviously me being your handler mm. and someone finally would break that that's true and second shout out to nicholas gray we've got some amazing fan artwork oh yeah yeah that the artwork is astonishing isn't it it's absolutely brilliant like uh, it is a shame that your job as my handler has been exposed quite so early into it i hope to get away with that a bit more <laughs> but you know we just have to roll with the punches won't we and just like you know we'll, we'll just deny it just deny it and who could possibly prove it <laughs> I mean, well, episode six, that's halfway through the year. I think we we did pretty good. It was a good run. Not bad. Yeah, it's not bad, is it? Like, episode six, ah, oh, it's the numerology. It caught us, didn't it? <laughs> that's it. <laughs> anyway, all right. Well, we're joined by Jack, and I'd like Jack to introduce himself. Jack, thank you for coming on, and please tell the people who you are. Hey, my pleasure. Thank you guys so much for having me. Um, I am Jack, Jack Rowland. Um, I'm an artist from Australia, but I run a podcast called Into Deep, which yeah, kind of started as like a way of platforming my fellow artists and also just um, an excuse to talk to uh, all my heroes. But it just kind of quickly devolved into a lot of conspiracy talk as well, <laughs> because um uh, similar to Brent, uh, in my early 20s, I went down the rabbit hole of conspiracy theories. I reckon I was probably in it proper for about probably about a year. Actually, it's a pretty funny story, which I'll quickly share. So I was in Berlin doing an artist residency and I had a lot of time to myself and I was just going deeper and deeper on these, you know, one hour, 50 minute YouTube videos of terribly put together PowerPoint presentations with a with a very ominous voice speaking and I was hooked. What kind of year was this? This was 2013. So I thought I thought the world was possibly going to end in 2012. Uh, that was probably the lead up. It's a funny arc, right? Got into spirituality, psychedelics, and then very naively optimistic. And with that spirituality, I feel like conspiracies are almost like 
the naive spiritualist's ugly cousin. It just kind of creeps on in once you open your mind, man. So, yeah, I was very into like 2012 um, and then I was like right into chemtrails and all that stuff and the Illuminati, of course. You know, this is before this is before the cabal. This is when it was the New World Order. It's all been repackaged now. Then I was, I was really hooked by the Graham Hancock's content. I, was, I actually just went to one of his lectures and was just so captivated. I mean, it's the most exciting story that I've never heard. Uh, the pyramids are far older. There's an ancient civilization that's like 12,000 years older than we ever thought, and it's, um, it's pretty amazing stuff. Anyway, fast forward, I was spending a lot of time on the internet watching all this stuff and I got onto this conspiracy theory called the Bosnian Pyramid that there's actually this ancient, far bigger, far older pyramid in rural Bosnia and you go on Google and you have a look at the pictures and it looks like a pyramid covered in greenery, like it's four-sided and it's like, oh, my God, like what the hell? So I volunteered to go and help excavate this pyramid. I thought, you know, if I'm going to spend so much time uh, on these conspiracy theories and I was slowly just annoying everyone around me, getting more argumentative, (laughs) I was starting to get to the point where no one could really have a conversation without me bringing it back to the Illuminati for about one year. I could even recognise it myself. I found it very frustrating and isolating actually. I, could, I just couldn't help myself. Anyway, went to Bosnia, dragged my poor girlfriend, who is now my wife. Don't don't know why she's my. <laughs> she said yes to marry me <laughs> after this, but dragged her to rural Bosnia, and um, it was pretty much camp conspiracy. It was in the middle of nowhere. It was people from all corners of the world, all on the same trip of what don't we know? Lost civilization. Um, and, yeah, we were pickaxing and digging <laughs> deep trenches on the side of this mountain. It was, it was quite a, a very, uh, the best documentary that's never been made about that, um, that place. It's, uh, it's kind of had a culty kind of vibe. And, yeah, just the ideas that were kind of spreading. My wife was like a saint. She basically did not buy any of it. Um, <laughs> she went along and... Uh, she kind of made it her task to subtly debunk some of the ideas that these people were kind of putting toward me and kind of she kind of pulled me out of it. Um, a combination of that and also just seeing all this infighting. Once you were there, it was like a group of maybe 20 and then there's like you know that the archaeologist isn't actually an archaeologist, he's lying to you and then other people are saying this and that, and then there's all these little fractions. I'm like, oh, you guys just can't help yourself, can you? It's like conspiracies within conspiracies. It's actually just this a very unhealthy mind frame of just paranoia as the default. And then I kind of, I think, ultimately realised that, look, not literally, but these videos that I'm watching, they're just made by these kinds of people, (laughs) you know? (laughs) These kinds of people that have all come together. They're, They're not doctors. They're not researchers. You can poke the logic and so much of their um, perspectives if you if you learn how to critically think uh, one one example sorry I'll end the rant soon but one, one example of like this um, just holes in this logic so 
part of the excavation of this Bosnian pyramid was actually going into these tunnels because all pyramids have tunnels. What they don't really tell you on the YouTube videos is these tunnels are probably about 5Ks away from the pyramids and they've just kind of spun some story that they think that they're all related when there's no real evidence at all that they're related. Could be anything. We don't, we don't really know what they are. I'm sure there's an answer to that. But, um, yeah, ultimately we started to take, everyone started taking photos in these tunnels and uh, some of the photos, these orbs would pop up all over the, the photos and um, some more than others. And uh, we kind of got spun the story that these orbs are actually spirits, spirit lost souls and the, maybe the builders of the pyramids. And then my mm. camera started picking up a lot of these orbs, like far more than anyone else. And then this, they, they kind of started this thing that, wow, it's, it's actually because you, Jack, <laughs> you are a very spiritual person and they reckon the spirits like you and they recognize. And I have to say, I, I think I, I was even, I was drinking the Kool-Aid a bit. My ego was obviously liked that. Mm. And then when we got home, like Yuria wasn't getting any. Yuria is my wife. But she had a very good camera. I had a shit camera. Mm. <laughs> So she just Googled it and she's mm. like, well, yeah, there's a very obvious, easily Googleable uh, explanation for this. It's because the camera's shutter speed is terrible. It's just picking up dust particles. Here's examples mm. of how all these dust particles are captured underwater. They look exactly the same. They're even in hexagonal shapes, which was the shape of the lens. Mm. And then they told her, oh, no, well, that's because you're not spiritual. <laughs> 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 so um, get out of the group. Get out of the group. Yeah, 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 yeah. It to be honest, it, it took me a little while and until I probably really got home that I had a, a proper think about it and stuff. And you know what? I, I I really got what I set out to achieve and it was to figure out whether or not it was legitimate and it was the unraveling and seeing how completely uh lack of critical thinking that I had allowed myself to think that way. And um yeah, I have my wife to thank and um, I'll even give myself a pat on the back for actually putting my money where it is and, and heading out yeah. under the field. But, um, yeah. So what is it then? Is it a pyramid or is it just a hill or what? Good question. I mean, it looks very much like it. Um, mm. I, they, they give all sorts of really convincing, if you, if you want to be convinced, um, arguments for all these mysteries. But... When I really boiled it down, most of it is jargon and the only thing mm. that is really mysterious about it is the fact that they all the sides do face, I believe, north, south, east and west, which is weird. Yeah. You know, it looks like a pyramid, flat sides, but that also exists in nature. There are other examples of that happening. It's, it's a rare thing, but that has happened with other mountains and hills um it's i think this one in wales i may be completely wrong about that but i think this one in wales well we got one in in uh, mars <laughs> <laughs> well a lot of the a lot of the concrete slabs that you we ended up excavating because you do get to this thing and there's photos that really do look like tile work or anything but they're also really inconsistent within the same pyramid structure so it's almost like they were trial and erroring like three or so different styles of building and i'm not a geologist like water and erosion forms really weird stuff i don't i don't know that it's all bullshit but i think there's enough reasonable doubt to say that these could easily be 
uh, formed in other ways or naturally. And even ultimately, at the end of the day, even Graham Hancock said he wasn't convinced. Right. So th- there's an anomaly. There's something that's strange. It could be a natural yeah. formation. It could be something archaeological or of some sort of spiritual, religious ceremonial significance or something but frankly we just don't know but these people have framed it as they've they've decided already this is a pyramid it's something to do with the egyptian pyramids as well it's indicative of like some sort of global knowledge or sort of pattern so essentially they've they've done the 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 thing of here's the thing let's formulate an idea to explain that thing and then let's look for evidence to back up that idea rather than examining the thing to see if there's evidence to tell you what it is. Totally, totally. And the, the guy, uh, Dr. Samir Osmanagic, who kind of runs the whole thing in The Discoverer, I mean, he wears a big Indiana Jones hat. Like he's, he's really just living his uh, childhood dreams. You know? <laughs> Has he got a whip? I, I bet you he probably does, but that's for his private <laughs> life. <laughs> so, okay, so you went through this journey and everything. Now, basically, you do the podcast. So how did you start talking to conspiracy people? Because I think was it your first episode is speaking to a flat earther. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, so I've I've been blessed with a very very diverse uh, friendship group and a lot of out there people in my orbit. And um, one of my very good high school friends is a uh, very much like a contrarian thinker and conspiracy theorist, and um, he is a flat earther. So mm-hmm. uh, I was actually trying to convince him because to stop, like he he would talk about it a lot. Which, as I said, I went through that when I kind of went that down that rabbit hole and uh it can get very uh, repetitive and i was like why don't you start a podcast and then you can actually get all your ideas out and just talk to all the people that inspire you um and he didn't do that so i thought well i'll catch this story on audio waves and that was kind of the first fun way of um getting into it but uh, ultimately i think the, the the kooky idea ones are um just like you guys, they're, they're fun to explore. Conspiracy theories are fun. Ultimately, I do think most of them are rubbish. Um, and I'm also extremely interested in how people can, uh, like the JFK Jr. thing, it's just so absurd. Mm. Um, how could anyone really believe that is a reality? And um, hopefully by chatting to people and at least trying to see how they've come to those conclusions we you can i don't know maybe have a bit more empathy towards it as well as being taken for a ride of how weird and fun and bizarre and kind of stupid some of this shit is mm-hmm. <laughs> you know it's um yeah so it's a mix of art music and conspiracy stuff the uh the podcast but hey it's it kept me very sane throughout lockdown so what's your position now? Like, I mean, obviously you used to be sort of very sort of open to things like, you know, hollow earth and stuff like that. I assume you've dismissed that now, but what about other things? Do you still have questions about nine 11? Do you believe that Roswell was potentially a thing that, that sort of stuff? 
Yeah, I mean, 9-11, I was pretty convinced it was an inside job, or maybe not mm. necessarily that it was an inside job, but the US definitely let it happen to create mm-hmm. a false flag. Now, I mean, I think, uh, I think really reality is far more boring than mm. we want to let it out. I think there's, similar to, I think, your perspective, Neil, I think we have uh, a lot of people in power that are extremely greedy don't give a fuck about their common man, happy mm-hmm. to capitalise and are really, really corrupt. Uh, if you want to call that like a conspiracy, I guess you probably could. Yeah, people are behind the scenes pulling some strings, but I kind of don't even really see it as a conspiracy. I just think it's just straight up high level, deep, deep corruption yes. that's been going on for a very long time, a lot of generations if you're loaded and you're born into a loaded, wealthy family, why would you want to give that up? Yeah. Why wouldn't you want to keep it going? Um, I think most of it can be explained away with that. doesn't mean uh, conspiracies don't exist. Um, most of them within the conspiracy theory uh, narrative don't, uh, aren't real in my opinion. Um, but, of course, aliens are real. Uh, Joe Rogan said so. But no, I actually do. I actually, <laughs> I actually do believe aliens are real, and they have come to Earth. So there you go. You know, there's one. No, absolutely. I'd, I'm totally open for that as a as a theory. I'd I'd very much like that to be the case. I, I think there's there's some weird convincingness about aliens and stuff like that. So mm. yeah, I mean, this is the point, isn't it? Like, you know, we're not we're not dismissing all conspiracy theories by any stretch of the imagination. Like what we're trying to do is we're trying to have a look at some and just see um see whether they're accurate or not, really. Like and uh, you know, some are and uh, some aren't. You know, another another one that I think is possibly. Um, I flirt with, but I don't necessarily subscribe to is, and th- this will sound out there too, in line with the, is the, the well, there's fucking crazy pedophile shit with Jeffrey Epstein and Jimmy Savile. Oh, yeah. And I don't know whether it's what the conspiracy theorists say, but like. There's something going on there, isn't there? Jimmy Savile blows my mind. Like I can't, I cannot fathom, I cannot fathom how, uh, he got away with that for so long, how he's friends with the royals, how mm-hmm. they gave him a room at this hospital to stay in. Like, that that's not a thing. That doesn't happen. Why? Mm. Why? Like, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Questions. I've got questions. <laughs> the thing is, right, okay, there, there's there's more to that. There's people like, the, you know, these MPs that were involved or potentially involved certainly with paedophilia like, uh, Cyril Smith and uh, Peter Morrison, who was an aide to Margaret Thatcher, she was advised that he was a pederast and not to, to take him on as an aide. There's that very famous interview with Tom Fortescue where he says that basically, you know, if he's a, a whip and he says, if you get into trouble with small boys, come and see me and I'll, you know, make the scandal disappear and stuff like that. So there's obviously sort of a, um, th- it's a thing. There, there's obviously, mm. and you know, throughout history, there have been examples of of people having inappropriate sex with children um, and prostituting children. There's declassified documents about the CIA using child prostitutes as, as honey traps uh, for blackmail scandals and stuff like that, which is very, very similar to, to what appears to have been going on with Jeffrey Epstein in in, his, in regards to sort of re- recording uh, people and and stuff like that. So. If you look at it in the theme of a conspiracy theory, it sort of, to a degree, nullifies it. If you look at it, as you were saying, as corruption and a crime, Mm. then basically all of a sudden it's like a, 
it's more realistic, isn't it? And it's more palatable for 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 the mainstream. That doesn't mean that there isn't a conspiracy to a do that and b conceal that. But as you say, it's it's, it's almost about the framing of it, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's definite corruption, definite crimes going on. Yeah, I have a theory about it, and this may not make the final cut. i don't think the establishment were particularly bothered about pedophilia until Mm. i'm on board that might not make the final cut I don't think the establishment were particularly bothered about paedophilia until it was suggested that Michael Jackson did it. And what I think that shows is that the the establishment like racism more than they like paedophilia. They were prepared to <laughs> give up their paedophilia just so that they could have a go at a black guy. I may be wrong, but that's how I, I potentially see it. Yeah, I, I, I buy it. I mean, if you, God, if you th- even think about all these pop stars like that we love and cherish, like I'm pretty sure Bowie, Bowie Iggy Pop, um, Led Zeppelin, uh, Rod Stewart, they were all knocking about with the baby groupies, uh, Laurie Maddox. And that is a thing of like how times change, right? Mm. Like no one, everyone knew, oh, those rock stars, they're, they're young girls and stuff. So exactly. Elvis Presley, I think Priscilla yeah. was really like really young when they kind of got together. And Jerry Lee Lewis. And um, yeah, again, it's, um, it's, it's not uncommon. It's saying people didn't really mind until Michael Jackson did it. And then they decided that, <laughs> not even that. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on board. That might not make the <laughs> final cut. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, no censorship here. <laughs> yeah. Keep it in. Keep it in. <laughs> <laughs> if I did take it out, I guess that would prove I was your handler. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. Oh, we're, we're, oh, it's between a rock and a hard place, aren't we? <laughs> But um, but like with all that as well, I mean, as COVID came in and as Trump came in, uh, what used to be a fun niche little thing of conspiracism really just blew up to unmanageable proportions, in my opinion. And I just thought I felt that I could see uh, my warning signs have been going off ever since um, in just just in relation to conspiratorial thinking probably since Trump got in. <laughs> mm, totally. Well, I think it's been weaponized. I, th- I think that political parties like Trump to an extent, no, not to an extent, absolutely, through things like QAnon and like all this election stuff like that, it's an in. You know, in the same way that basically you find like, a lot of these paedophile hunters and stuff like that, like it's very difficult to disagree. We, we all think that having sex with children is a bad thing. And so they present themselves as righteous. We're going out, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then after a while, they'll tell you about their far right proclivities and sort of stuff like that. And it, it does two things. One, it's a way to whitewash their previously terrible image. And two, it's a way of indoctrinating people by drawing them in. It's like a sales technique. You agree with this on this. You agree with this on this. By the way, it's the Jews <laughs> and then it's very difficult to, to, to like 
not then you know because you're part of a new social group and you want to impress them and you've already seen that what they're doing at, at, at stage one is something that you find, that you absolutely agree with and that's what things like QAnon do I think we've said this before but QAnon is basically like it's politics as wrestling mm. it's politics for people that have no interest or understanding of politics it's just giving them a team mm. and it's giving them a mission and it's selling them a story as well basically so yeah I think you're right I think it has been weaponized yeah that was also a big factor of unplugging from the conspiracy stuff um and this was years ago but just totally coming to the conclusion of like how much anti-semitism was just baked into this stuff like Mm. when you really start getting deep into it it does all come down to the jews and i don't know just uh it's yeah as soon as i started reading that and seeing it more and more i was just like oh hold on i don't know it seemed very like there was a uh, an agenda being pushed through and then and that's it you really have to question who is writing this stuff why am i listening to this over the news why is like if you think the news is all bullshit why would you read random rabbit hole articles or whatever on youtube and and the answer is or where, wherever wherever you look for it but the answer is it's because it's so exciting and captivating and it makes you feel special you're in the know you're seeing through you're smarter than the others it's actually creating a hierarchy within your your perception of yourself towards society and that's where you get those like things like the sheeple and uh only the select few know and we're actually um we're actually smarter than the rest aren't we it's why it's a cult like ideology Mm. you know it's not exactly a cult because there's no cult leader but it's the same frame of mind it's the same as having an ideology basically that sets you apart from other people Mm. there's three things that psychologically a cult does right okay one it tells you what the world is like it tells you what's up what's down what's left what's right who's good who's bad and how, how the world works it also shows your position in that world whether you're right at the top of it you know, you're number one, or whether you're sort of like, you know, right at the bottom of a minion. And then the third thing, and the most important thing that a cult does, is it surrounds you with like-minded people who agree with you, support you, give you give you comfort and friendship and psychological encouragement. And those three things are used in numerous things, advertising, drawing people into a group, drawing people towards a team, political associations and stuff like that. But it is either by design or by happenstance that those three things just so happen to basically coincide with people coming to new understandings of the world and conspiracy theories and stuff like that. And because of that, it can be taken advantage of. Hmm. I mean, those three things that you just listed, like that's what you get at a David Icke lecture. Exactly. Yeah. That is his message. The six hours that he gives, that's what he goes through. Yeah, it doesn't mean that he's sat down and gone, all right, brilliant. What we're going to do is we're going to pull them in, do this, tell them how the world is. It's just that it's happened to fall like that, which is why it's so successful. Like You might now do that subconsciously in sort of thinking about, say, designing the output of his books or his lectures or whatever. But I don't think that David Icke sat down and gone, how can I indoctrinate a million people or whatever? It's just that, as I say, that that's, that's kind of the mechanism that it works with, basically. He's good, David Icke, isn't he? Like, there's something, mm. there's something really about him that is very, very captivating. Oh, he's very charismatic, and he's incredibly um, skilled as a speaker. Yeah, but there's, there's so, 
Yeah, re- recently um, after that Jimmy Savile documentary came out on Netflix, I kind of went back down into the rabbit hole of Jimmy Savile again. I'm like, I just don't buy that <laughs> this guy mm. got away with it for this long without a bit of help. And uh, so no. for, for shits and giggles went and uh, listened to a – because I remember David Icke called it. He called um, he called it on Jimmy Savile, I think, a long time before he was done. I don't think so. You don't think so? I on- honestly don't think so. And I was a big David Icke follower. Really? Okay, so I'm wrong there. I can pretty much guarantee you there is not a single interview where he names Jimmy Savile before mm. it comes out. I've gone back, I've looked, and he just keeps saying it. He keeps saying, I've told you guys it was, I told you. Mm. Where? Yeah. Source, please, receipts. That is very interesting because there's the Johnny Rotten clip, there's the Jerry Sadowitz clip, there's the Lee and Herring clip. Yeah. Where is the David Icke clip? Uh, that, yes, that's a very good point, actually. Yeah, well, I've probably just heard him say that. Well, it's just sort of become one of those truisms. Hmm. If anybody knows, if it's in one of his books, somebody tell us, please. Like, but this has got to be prior to Jimmy Savile's death. But yeah, I mean, just watching him again, literally as a piss take, you actually just can see how he does step by step and leads you into more and more out there stuff to the point where he's talking about energy and, you know, it gets very woo-woo, very uh, new age stuff. But Hmm. it is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Oh, man, like I don't believe any of it, but I, you start getting sucked back i was getting sucked back in and again that next day i was thinking about it was like oh i want to listen to more it is like finding new music that you love <laughs> it's a similar kind of feeling so um yeah he's he's got something there that david i hello this is dr susan oliver and i'm a scientist in the field of nanomedicine although our hosts may be charming please be aware they are not medical experts Please refer to your local health authorities for medical information and follow the guidelines recommended by the World Health Organization. If you have any further questions, please visit my YouTube channel, Back to the Science, or contact me on Twitter or Facebook. Enjoy the rest of the show. Going back to what you just said about how everything has changed, since Trump. And this one that we want to dive in today is pretty much a brand new one. On the 12th of April, 2022, I came across something on Twitter that it was trending, Satan's DNA. And I was like, what? 
the hell is this? There was this tweet from Ben Collins. It said, Satan's DNA is trending because a YouTube documentary named after the QAnon catchphrase, Watch the Water, is blowing up among anti-vaxxers. The documentary claims snake venom and magnets were put into the COVID vaccine to give us Satan's DNA. <laughs> it is even more insane than usual. That was my introduction to this. So, Neil, what the hell is he talking about? Well, th- just to explain what the Watch the Water reference is, that it's a QAnon reference. When the election happened and uh, QAnoners were convinced that basically the election had been in some way stolen or fraudulently sort of put over, there was this theory that was put about by, I think, Jack Pasevic and various other people that the ballots had got some secret watermark on them that would expose itself after a few days and thus show this massive fraud to be exposed. Needless to say, that didn't actually happen. But for whatever reason, this is still sort of a phrase within the sort of QAnon realm. The QAnon thing, I'm sure people are aware of it, but it's this idea that basically, I mean, it started with Mueller, didn't it? That the Mueller indictment was actually a way to subtly uh, prosecute Hillary Clinton for some stuff or other without them sort of catching wind of this, but obviously they told people on the internet. So (laughs) the secretive nature of it was in in many ways lost immediately. Anywho, Watch the Water is a documentary that's been produced by two people, Stu Peters, who is a presenter of a, of a program, a QAnon, a COVID denialist, and just basically bandwagon jumper. Anyway, and he and a doctor called Brian Ardis, um, not, not a proper doctor, he's a chiropractor. Now, I'm not denigrating chiropractors. I have an incredibly bad back. I've got something called a spondylolisthesis that requires chiropractors. Now, I know, I know a lot of people think that maybe they're all, it's all woo and all bullshit and it's dangerous, and I'm sure that there are examples of that. But I've actually found that chiropractors help me. Like, there's been times when physically I've not been able to walk. Like, no hyperbole couldn't walk because of my back. Gone to chiropractors and, and come out of it, not fine, but certainly greatly improved so it's not to denigrate chiropractors it's just that there is the faintest whiff of a suggestion that maybe he might be using his title as doctor to give you the impression that he he might be more knowledgeable about subjects than than potentially is but hey ho that's um that's by the by so dr brian ardis and Stu peters they got together to do this documentary called watch the water And apparently, this just came about by accident, really. Dr. Brian Ardis, for some reason, had gone to see Stu Peters, who used to be a bounty hunter, which we'll come on to in a bit, to ask him about security, because he'd figured out this fantastic sort of theory that we'll come on to. It involves venom, and he was going to expose this, uh, and he thought that he needed some sort of protection. So he went to speak to Stu Peters, as, as any sensible person would to think about hiring him as, as security. Rather than sort of offer his security uh, expertise, what Stu Peters said was, no, 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 let's make a documentary and you can expose your theory, which is where Watch the Water came from. And we'll come on to that in a minute. But Brian Ardis. Brian Ardis has been sort of floating around on the scene since 
for basically since the start of COVID. He may have been, he, he's done some stuff in the past, like we're, again, we'll, we'll come on to that later, but he sort of burst onto what we'd call the conspiracy scene in, in 2020 around the time that, that COVID happened. He was one of these people that was very, very opposed to any sort of safety measures. He also felt that he's dallied with saying that the virus doesn't exist. And he also basically has said that it's actually the the medical protocols and the way that people are being treated, that's, that, that's not only, he doesn't say that this is ineffective treatment, he goes even further and says that basically it's the treatment itself that is killing people. It's putting people on ventilators, it's using drugs like remdesivir and stuff like that. That is actually killing people and they are using the concept of the covid pandemic as a way to cover this up it's a mass genocide on a global scale that's disguised as uh, as some sort of respiratory disease but he first appeared on Infowars, so which is pretty good you know like um he, he appeared on there in early 2020 ranting about monoclonal antibodies basically saying that he thought that they didn't work that they were they were terrible and that they would would kill you um how he as a chiropractor knows um exactly what uh, monoclonal antibodies does is anybody's guess but he you know he, he he looked quite smart and like you know he had some nice neat hair and stuff and he, he came across as as convincing and let's not forget he told people he was a doctor he very much later sort of changed his tactic and then he appeared on infowars again with owen Troyer. And this was in March 2021. Now, this is uh, a video that you can find on the internet, and it's got the subtle title, Holocaust 2.0. So it's like a sort of a holocaust for the internet age, if you will, uh, which is, you know, uh, if you like that sort of thing. <laughs> anyway, Owen Schroyer says... I've got another great doctor here, Dr. Brian Ardis. He's sick and tired of doctors and lawyers saying that there is no Invectamin-approved use for COVID. Well, that's just a flat-out lie. He brings me the actual NIH website document, and the NIH is the National Institute of, of Health. Now, Invectamin is an antiparasitical drug that is used for both humans and animals as, as a dewormer in animals and as an antiparasitical drug uh, in humans. And it's incredibly effective. It, it helps with parasites. It's used throughout the world and uh, as in the past actually won the Nobel Prize for medicine. And it's because of the effectiveness of this drug. But it's, uh, it's an antiparasitical. Now, some people have claimed that it actually shows um, some benefits for COVID. Um, we'll come on to that later. Uh, but but Ardis is one of these people that thinks that it is um, effective and it's being withheld from the public, uh, presumably as part of this uh, depopulation agenda. Although at this particular time, he hasn't quite formulated uh, his theory. But he claims that the NIH document shows that infectamin is... FDA approved. Now, the, the common uh, knowledge and what is sort of repeated through the media is that Invectamin has never been FDA approved, that it has not been shown to be effective in the treatment of COVID, uh, and therefore the, the FDA have, uh, have not approved it. But Brian Ardis disputes this, and he's bought the receipts. He shows, and I mean, Troy shows it on the screen, a document that says, Table 2E, 
characteristics of antiviral agents that are approved or under evaluation for the treatment of COVID-19. And if you go into this document and go on to the page that he references, remdesivir is there as, uh, as listed, and further down the form, Invectamin is listed on this form. Uh, Ardis basically shares, says, and Owen Troy agrees with him, that this well, this proves it. This proves that, that it's FDA approved and that, that the public has been lied to. He then starts talking about his concerns about remdesivir, which is the common sort of medicine that is used for uh, COVID. It's, it's used when people are in the hospital, essentially. It's, it's one of these things that it's like, if you're on remdesivir, you're, you're in a really bad way. It, it's often sort of at the point where you might need to go onto a ventilator or something like that, that they will use this, this particular drug. But Ardis um, is concerned that it's deadly. Uh, and he cites this particular study. Um, it is actually about uh, Ebola, but basically he says that the study shows that when remdesivir was used to treat these uh, people, and this study was uh, conducted in Africa, that the remdesivir killed 54% of all Africans that it, that it was given to. And that that's the, the phrase that he uses. This is 54% of all Africans who took remdesivir died. Um, and, and therefore, he shows that this is not a safe drug to be used. He also mentions uh, a study by Gilead. Now, Gilead is the the manufacturer of remdesivir. And you know what annoys me about this? I'll, I'll just get this straight off um, my chest. Not one of these people has mentioned the connection to um, The Handmaid's Tale. Gilead is the name of the dystopic city, the future sort of existence in The Handmaid's Tale. Nobody's made that connection. Why not? That's a perfectly good connection. That's freaky and woo and makes you go, <laughs> oh, shit. So, and for some reason, nobody's actually mentioned that. But I will continue to mention it because I noticed it. So anyway, he says that in this Gilead study, 23% of them experienced organ failure acute kidney failure, hypertension, and septic shock. So nearly a quarter of the people that took this drug, they had very, very serious health problems. He then goes on to, to say that another 8% of the people in this study had to be taken off the drug before day 10 because they experienced such acute kidney failure and liver failure that they were actually going to die. He backs this up further by basically saying that there was a French study on remdesivir of five people and four were taken off the drug early. Two of them had liver problems and two of them needed kidney transplants. And this is a, this is a real report as well. It's called the case report, report study of the first five COVID-19 patients treated with remdesivir in France. And two of the five actually died. So again, Ardis claims that this is clearly indicative that, that remdesivir is, is dangerous. Uh, he then also mentions a World Health Organization study. This is called Remdesivir and Acute Renal Failure, a Potential Safety Signal from Disproportionate Analysis of the WHO Database. He basically says that acute renal failure with remdesivir is 20-fold that of all comparative drugs. So basically, I'm not entirely sure which drugs he's comparing them to, but he's just, again, really strongly showing that his belief is that remdesivir is shown to be detrimental to health, and he seems to have the, uh, the receipts to back this up. He says that how remdesivir works, it shuts down the kidneys and... After it shuts down your kidneys, your lungs 
fill with urine. Oh, wow. <laughs> no, it's very serious, Jack. Like, <laughs> and these these urine-filled lungs are basically the the sort of pneumonia that that you're seeing. He says that the that there's two things. It's not pneumonia. Either it's the kidneys shutting down and filling the lungs with piss, or it's that the X-rays aren't actually showing pneumonia. They're showing what's called a pulmonary edema. I think any of the urine therapy people are having a bit of a breakdown right now. <laughs> yeah, potentially. That should be curing COVID. <laughs> it should be, shouldn't it, actually? Direct to the lungs. Yeah. That's a good point. I've not really thought about it like that, but yes. Anyway. just Can we just say, we don't advise anybody filling their lungs with piss, uh, whether you have COVID... Or not. I mean, obviously, it's a free world, and don't, yeah. don't, I, I'm not going to tell you how to live your life. Unless it's consensual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, <laughs> we, we wouldn't recommend it. So, this, this is the thing COVID is essentially either urine or some sort of pulmonary edema. And a pulmonary edema, my understanding of it is that it's basically like an internal bleed. So, it's kind of like this blood has, has come out of where it's supposed to be and it's floating around in bits that it's not supposed to be in essentially and then he goes on and he, and he comes out with a really really terrifying statistic he says that 95 to 99 percent of all covid deaths in america occur in icus and icu is obviously the, the emergency department like and so what he's suggesting here is that that they're somehow responsible for this this is showing that People don't die from COVID unless you get into a hospital setting. And he's further implying that it's the hospital itself that is killing you, not the disease. That it's far too much of a coincidence that the majority of people die in that place that, to, uh, uh, to be ignored. Um, and then he also basically he, he reiterates a claim that, that um, has been sort of around for a while, that basically it's also financially beneficial for doctors and for hospitals to say either that, COVID, uh, that a patient has COVID or that a patient has, has died from COVID because somehow they get some sort of money for that. What he says is all they have to do is write down this is COVID patient and then basically somebody sends them a check. And this is a very lucrative way for these hospitals to do two things things one they they make a profit um and two they hype up this idea this false impression that there is actually a, a, a virulent pandemic uh, that's that's killing people the second time that brian artis came into sort of the the public consciousness was um he was on a panel with a a senator called doug mastriano Doug Masciano is a Republican senator. Um, he's currently actually sort of, um, he's currently vying for, uh, I don't know whether it's a seat or, or how, he's, he's on, he's doing an election thing at the minute. And uh, he's a bit of a strange character. He's, um, he's very, very much a proponent of QAnon. And he was actually videotaped at the January 6th insurrection. Let's just call it what it is. It's <laughs> an insurrection. And um it was it was filmed there with his wife, but he claims that the second that he saw that it was turning violent, he basically got out of there, which may well be true. Don't know. Uh, but he was actually one of the people that arranged the buses to take people there to see the speeches. So uh, how much he was involved, uh, we, we really don't know. Rather embarrassingly, recently he was photographed wearing a Confederate soldier's uniform. 
Uh, well, actually, the photograph is from something like 2014, but it, it recently came out. And uh, he's, he's on some, one of these sort of war reenactment type things, um, and he's dressed as, as a Confederate soldier. He's got this sort of grey uniform. And, uh, yeah, it's one of those things where it's kind of a bit frowned upon that because of the sort of connotations with slavery and stuff like that. But, again, each to, each to his own. Anyway, this panel had Peter McCullough, who's uh, been on Joe Rogan. He's a, a heart doctor that has made some strange claims about COVID. Brian Ardis, who's the, the main sort of topic of today. Stephen Kirsch, who's another COVID denialist. And uh, Thomas Renz, who is a lawyer that uh, uh, basically is helping all of these people. Now, he's introduced uh, by Doug Mastriano as um, this is Dr. Brian Ardis, who has treated more than 10,000 patients, uh, which uh, sounds very, very impressive. And he basically says, Remdesivir will result in 30% death of everyone who receives that drug in a hospital for five to 10 days. And uh, he backs this up. He, he says that I got Thomas Renz to pull the CMS data, uh, you know, for the state of New York. I just decided to, to run it for New York. I wanted to know of Medicare age patients, what's the percentage of deaths of those who received Remdesivir for its five day protocol? And he discovered that 26.9% of them died. So what he's doing is CMS data is basically data pertaining to the medical stats surrounding COVID and how people have fared. And so what he said is he's, he's got this lawyer to look at Medicare-aged patients that were put on remdesivir. And he's found that uh, of the ones that were there from at least five to 10 days, 26% of them died. And again, he's basically saying that this shows that remdesivir is, is dangerous. And uh, you do know, right, that remdesivir of October 2020 was found by the Cardiovascular Toxicology Journal that it actually causes death of heart cells and is cardiotoxic. He's got the date wrong. I found the, the, the paper that he was, he was talking about. This, this paper is called Potential Cardiotoxic Effects of Remdesivir on Cardiovascular Systems. Uh, and I found it in a literature review in 2021. So it may have actually come out or been a preprint in October 2020. But this is the paper that he's talking about. And they, they do talk about potential cardiotoxic problems. Cardiotoxic means toxic to the heart or heart cells. Um, it, it's going to cause you problems potentially. It says that every time we start treating this novel respiratory virus, it goes from the lungs into the kidneys. We have never seen a respiratory virus attacking kidneys ever before. It causes such acute severe kidney failure that we aren't just short on ventilators, we don't have enough dialysis machines. And I knew right away from the Gilead study that the entire kidney failure, multiple organ failure, was a result of remdesivir and had absolutely nothing to do with the virus and so he, he's mentioning the gilead study gilead if you remember the people that, that made uh, the uh, the drug and he says that the gilead trial said giving remdesivir for 10 days to 53 covid19 patients before may 2020 they found that it caused multiple organ failure acute kidney failure septic shock and hypertension in 31 percent of all people that they gave it to um, and so, again, that, that's him on the panel explaining his aversion to remdesivir. But that was really just sort of a, a precursor. Like, he, he was still sort of trying to get his, his theory together. And uh, that's when he met Stu Peters. 
Now, the first time that we heard about this, Watch the Water documentary, was that Stu Peters was mentioning that he'd put out on Telegram a post saying that people should be concerned about the water and not to drink it, and also how certain people's lives might be in danger. At this point, he introduces Dr. Ardis, and Dr. Ardis basically says that that's him. His life is in danger. What he's about to tell the general public is so sort of mold-breaking and life-changing that that he absolutely believes that he's going to be assassinated. And as I said, this is why he went to see Stu Peters, not to make a documentary, but in in order to hire Stu Peters as, as, as a bodyguard, because Stu Peters used to be a bounty hunter, and so he feels that uh, he might be good for that sort of thing. So Dr. Ardis says, after implying that he's heavily, heavily in danger, he says, when I read Anthony Fauci's memo on remdesivir, when I clicked the link to the studies saying that remdesivir was safe and effective, I knew right away that he was lying. I knew that this drug was going to be used to mass murder a whole bunch of people in America who didn't need to die. And he would sell the idea that they were dying of a virus when I knew that they were being poisoned by this drug. And he flashes up on screen uh, the NIH October 20th, 2020. It says, final report confirms remdesivir benefits for COVID-19. And then he, he flashes up another study. He basically shows a study claiming that acute kidney failure is involved in the use of remdesivir. Um, He says, reiterating his previous claim, I knew 30% of people would experience multiple organ failure, kidney failure, septic shock, and hypertension. That's what these studies said. And he shows um, some text on the screen. It says a total of 673 patients were uh, included in the primary analysis at 28 days death had occurred in 290 patients, 43.1% overall. In 18.8% of patients with a low viral load and 53.1% died. And that sounds terrifying. Like, uh, And he just flashes this up on the screen and he reiterates that remdesivir is toxic. He then gets, he basically starts to tear up a bit and get very, very emotional as he warns that the FDA has authorized remdesivir as the only drugs for newborns in this country. And so what he's concerned about is that he feels that there's going to be a mass culling of babies, that that essentially babies are going to be sent to a hospital with supposed COVID, at which point the medicine, uh, remdesivir, will kill them. And he's, he's genuinely, genuinely concerned about that. It was a very powerful moment in that film, wasn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. Mm. He, he certainly got me on side. I, I looked at him and thought, this guy's genuine. Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know how anyone could look at that person and, and, and infer that maybe you might be trying to manipulate your emotions or something like that. To me, he came across as very genuine. Anyway, he basically says that they, they stopped monoclonal antibody treatments uh, so that you have to get remdesivir. So this is, again, basically indicative that they're pushing you towards this one medicine. And uh, as he says, that the medicine is actually uh, dangerous. He then basically says that in order to formulate his theory, it, it all sort of came about when he got a text. And he got a text from somebody. Uh, he doesn't reveal who it is at this point. But this text says, Hey, Dr. Ardis. So they're obviously close. Hey, Dr. Ardis, if you got bit by a rattlesnake, would you go to the hospital and get antivenom? And this starts Dr. Ardis's, you know, inner cogs working. What struck me was that 
there was a slim possibility that this friend was genuinely asking for advice. <laughs> and he just, rather than give him that advice, he, he made a documentary. And, and I could imagine his friend phoning him up the next day going, for Christ's sake, should I go to the hospital or not? Like, what do you mean you're making a documentary? Well, that's no help. Like, I mean, it turned out that wasn't the case. But, but, but it might have been. It might have been. But anyway, this, this gets his, his, his sort of, you know, his, his inner workings ticking. Although, that he, he, and he, he absolutely admits this, he says, I've been on InfoWars before and I mistakenly slagged off monoclonal antibodies because I don't know why he did, but like he said that, that they were poisonous before. Now he's come to the realisation that monoclonal antibodies are not poisonous. Actually, because they're they're discontinued, they they obviously must be good. And he st- he quotes Steve Kirsch, and he says, "If the CDC says to do something, you do the opposite. If the NIH says to do something, you do the opposite. And if the FDA says to do something, you do the opposite." Which would slightly undermine his previous argument that Invectamin was FDA approved, because the second that it becomes FDA approved, that means that you shouldn't really use it, according to his logic. But let's not get bogged down with facts or logic. Um, <laughs> he says that antivenom is actually monoclonal antibodies. So monoclonal antibodies is what he's saying is that they're antivenom, that they are the same substance. And he says, are the CDC recommending monoclonal antibodies for COVID-19? No, no, they're not. In January 2022, they totally stripped that out. And they also said not to use hydrochloroquine or Invectamin because they work. So what he's saying is that all the treatments that work are the ones that the FDA are saying don't use. Um, And for some reason, he's got it into his head that monoclonal antibodies are anti-venom. And he says that the reason they basically stopped using uh, this treatment is because they want people to die. They, They just want people to die. And he postulates, is COVID a venom? Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Is COVID a venom? And so this is why they didn't want people using monoclonal antibodies. And so this is where his, his theory is coming from. So the, the, it, he's suggesting that somehow COVID is uh, a venom. Um, now, one of the things that he, d- he says is that he started to look at the symptoms of COVID and the symptoms of um, s- snake envenomation, uh, being bitten by a snake. And to his intense shock, they were identical. 
pretty much identical and him and Stu Peters talk about this and Stu Peters said well you know it sounded crazy but when you actually showed me the uh, the symptoms side by side I have to admit that it that it's absolutely identical Brian Ardish then comes out with somewhat of a strange sentence he says fact checking is the opposite of fact checking <laughs> now it's not is it it's the same you can tell because it's spelt the same but <laughs> he's not being literal he's speaking figuratively okay what he's saying is that fact checking is is worthless because essentially it's a lie this really sets the tone for the mind frame of this entire conversation doesn't it yeah I'm I'm not saying anything that he doesn't say. Like if it sounds silly, then bring that up with uh, with Doctor Ardis. It's nothing to do with me. Doesn't he actually like the precise words he says is by definition? (laughs) He may well, but (laughs) by definition, fact checking is obfuscating the truth. I think he does say that as well, which again, that's not strictly accurate, is it? Like, I mean, if, it, in fact, in many ways, it's completely wrong. <laughs> but, but again, let, let's go with it because it, it, he's speaking figuratively. What he's basically saying, there's a coordinated world media uh, event and these fact checkers, he says, are being used to label dissent as disinformation. And so... This this is a worldwide thing. Like, okay, the, the, the disease is fake or is not what it seems. And anybody that's actually spotted this or has spotted an effective way to, to, to stop all the death is being hampered by these so-called fact-checkers, which, again, must be in sort of cahoots across the entire planet because they're giving um, – a consensus they're giving what what is deemed a scientific consensus and he's basically saying that the scientific consensus is completely wrong anyway to back this up he says was there any ever any mention that the source of covid could actually be a snake uh, by which it's become established now that basically like or the the strongest theory is that it's something to do with bats that bats or pangolins were what is called a reservoir for this disease it's it's a zoonotic disease so so essentially what the theory is is that it's passed from animals into humans it's it's sort of mutated i don't know if that's the correct phrase but it, it has altered itself in such a way that it can now pass from animals to to humans and when they've been looking at what the potential the world is reservoir for for this virus he says that actually yeah in the beginning they there was a lot of evidence that it came from snakes but then the fact checkers denied this and there's there is a paper basically it's called cross species transmission of the newly identified coronavirus 2019 and it's from january the 22nd in 2020 and in that Brian Arley says that basically it shows that the COVID contains proteins from a many banded crate and a Chinese cobra. Now that's not quite true. What the, the paper says is it says that there's, there's massive, massive similarities. That there's something that, again, I won't pretend to understand. There's something called codons, which seem to be sort of like genetic footprints of animals. And if you look at the codons of covid and uh, forgive me if i'm getting the terminology wrong but the, the long and short is that there's certain genetic fingerprints like indications that certain animals are there and what this paper showed was that the strongest ones that they found were in chinese cobras and many banded crates and so 
the suggestion was that that was actually the source of uh, the disease. And he also cites a study from France saying that receptors in the brain are bound most highly to the crate and cobra venom and that the spike protein in SARS-CoV-2 is identical to Chinese crate and king cobra uh, venom. And, he, and this is called a decoy receptor approach using nicotinic acetylchlorine receptor mimics reveal their potential as novel therapeutics against neurotoxic snake bite. And this is from 2019. So it's not actually anything to do with, with COVID. It's, um, it's about sort of how they work. And then he shows um, a paper called Toxic-like Peptides in Plasma, Urine, and Fecal Samples from COVID-19 Patients in 2021, which does say that there are toxin-like peptides almost identical to toxic components of venom from animals. Um, and he mentions the similarity um, in peptide response. Peptides are parts of venom, and basically what they do is they get your body to respond. Some some of these peptides already exist inside you. Again, I'm I'm I, I'm flying a bit blind here because this isn't my my uh, uh, area of expertise. So forgive me if I get stuff wrong. But essentially, it's stuff that makes your body respond in a certain way, and some of that is sort of found naturally in the body. So some of this is sort of like an active ingredient in the venom that basically causes it to do all the bad shit that you don't want to happen to you. Yeah, so so basically what he's saying is that that initially there was a lot of evidence that it came from snakes, and then for whatever reason, all the fact-checkers, in inverted commas, said, no, this is wrong, we don't believe this to be the, the source anymore. But he thinks that that's just part of the cover-up. And then he talks about a doctor in Pittsburgh called Dr. Bing Lu. Uh, and this um, is a bit of a sad story, really. Like, this guy was actually investigating the sort of cellular mechanisms of SARS-CoV-2 COVID. And he was trying to figure out more about it, more about its genetic structure. Apparently, he was very near to making a big breakthrough in the case. And unfortunately, he was murdered. Um, he, was, he was murdered uh, in his house, and what they're saying is that basically they think that he'd found something that indicated something dodgy about COVID, potentially tying it back to the, the snake venom. That's why they, they say that he was murdered. They, they don't go into it any more than that, but but this is, is what they say. And it, again, it's all painting a bit of a sinister picture of this, you know, he's got papers to back up what he's saying. He, he, it, it looks like there's been a murder potentially all to him indicates again that there's something sinister going on and that it's also being covered up he then cites a january 2020 study which is on gene mapping in cobra venoms this is this is nothing to do with with covid this is just another paper that he's found that is about snake venom particularly cobra venom because he's starting to come to the realization that he thinks it's cobra venom um that's what's causing all the, the symptoms in COVID. It's not a disease, not a virus. It's venom, specifically cobra venom that has somehow been given to the population. And he'll, he'll get onto it in a minute. But he says that in this one study, they found that there were 19, 19 toxic venom proteins that they isolated that specifically target organs in your body. 19, cobra venom, COVID-19, it's all, again, it's a bit too much of a coincidence. Ah. <laughs> yeah. It's even more suspicious than that, Brent, because this study was sponsored by a company called Genentech, 
or Genentech, and they're a subsidiary of a much larger big pharma company called Roche. And so he wanted to find out if Gilead, who made Remdesivir, had any connection to Genentech, who you must remember did this study on cobra venom. And he says that Gilead bought two facilities that deal with biological studies from Genentech in 2011. And then they bought 55 execs into Gilead. And this this happened to coincide with the start of the COBRA study. And Ardis seems to think that this is too much of a coincidence to, um, you know, to, to dismiss. And that this is indication that, the cobra venom that was being studied by Genentech was then given to Gilead, who put it in remdesivir and are using it to mass genocide people. And he says that the reason that hydrochloroquine was so successful in treating COVID was that because it blocks the nicotine receptors of the brain and it stops them from being injured uh, by cobra venom or viper venom. Uh, apparently this is what he says he says that so one could infer from this potentially that being a heavy smoker might actually stop you from feeling the the terrible effects of cobra venom um i don't know if anybody's tried that and let me just say we're not (laughs) suggesting that you do try it and like how could you how could you smoke if your lungs are full of piss like but (laughs) like but don't hey just just don't (laughs) He also points out that remdesivir is whitish yellow, um, and it is. It, it's, it's got a sort of whitish yellow hue. And, and yeah, Brent, you're, you're, you're ahead of me, I can see. He's noticed that this is exactly the same as cobra venom, or snake venom in general. Snake venom in general tends to be sort of milky white with potentially sort of hints of yellow in it. Um, and... Again, this is all building quite quite a picture. He also points out that the protocol for injecting remdesivir in humans is identical to the protocol for injecting horses with venom, which he says is how we get monoclonal antibodies. What happens when you make antivenom is they inject a horse they because basically a horse has got a, a sort of stronger constitution a bigger circulatory system stuff like that they can sometimes survive sometimes they don't but basically what you do is you inject them with with snake venom they respond to it they produce antibodies which fight that venom and you extract those antibodies and that becomes anti-venom so this is how we get the, the, all the antivenom that's, that's used on humans is actually uh, horses have been either sacrificed or um, it's, it's not a fun time for the horses. Uh, it, it's one of these sort of weighing up things because, you know, antivenom is, is vital. Uh, it, it, like many, many people die from snake bites every day. But it's, it's not particularly, it is very, very archaic. And um, mm. we just really could do, we're starting to look at, uh, at new techniques. But we'll, we'll come back to that. But he says that when you're on remdesivir, the the patients they have to be very very closely monitored to make sure that their blood isn't is isn't thinning. And he's noted again that one of the sort of effects of snake venom is that it's an anticoagulant, and it's it's horrible stuff. Like you can you can find this on the internet. You can find people just injecting like dropping a tiny tiny drop of snake venom into blood in a cup, and it's it's bizarre. It turns into like jelly. It won't properly clot. 
there's various different effects actually one can make it go sort of uh, start, start to clump up and cause blockages other types of venom can cause it to basically just like dissolve and start internal bleeding everywhere but yeah it's it's really really nasty stuff depending on the type of snake and the amount of venom that you get uh you can be dead within 15 minutes like there are also other types of venom that that basically last hours uh and it's just incredibly painful and there's pretty much not a lot you can do for for your situation um but but again we'll we'll come on to bits of that uh in, in a bit then to sort of bolster his case um which is looking stronger all the time, Ardis cites a study from the University of Arizona, and he shows the headline, Like Venom Coursing Through the Body, Researchers Identify the Mechanism Driving COVID-19 Mortality. And he says that basically it boils down to an enzyme that is also found in rattlesnake venom. And this, this enzyme is called SPLAZ11A. And it's an enzyme that is found in a particular type of rattlesnake venom. And what they've noticed is that in people who are in a real problem with COVID, there are levels of this enzyme in them that have never been seen before. They're hugely, hugely elevated levels of of this SPLAZ11A. And what this enzyme does is it basically starts to attack organs it's what would be called a cytokine response and it basically instructs your immune system to start attacking its own organs and essentially they basically start to liquefy and like cells start basically being destroyed by your own uh, immune system and again he basically points out that this is this a coincidence he thinks it's venom he's looked at the reservoir as being potentially snakes he's looked at the effects um, compared to covid the color of it he's noticed the the high uh, death rates of people that end up in the hospital being treated by these things it's all coming together for him and he, he says that they've also known that since 2005 that injecting a mouse with cobra venom causes a cytokine storm in the lungs which is what we just spoke about where basically your lungs start to attack yourself it's like an immune response where it goes too far it's kind of like burning the house down to get rid of a spider like technically it works but not but the results are potentially not what you're after and he shows um this study histopathological alterations induced by Naja Naja crude venom on renal pulmonary and intestinal tissues of mice from 2015. And basically it does show that, that if you inject these mice with venom, then this is what the venom does to them. It, it induces what's called a cytokine response. And again, in these mice, it eventually just liquefies their organs. But this is, this is his big uh, sort of reveal. He says, I'm convinced that COVID-19 is not a respiratory virus of any kind. It's actually venom poison. They're using, I believe, synthesized peptides and proteins from venoms of snakes. And they're administering them and targeting them to certain people. Those 19 venoms from that study, they target organs, all sorts of organ failures. So all sorts of organ failure deaths will go under the radar and will be listed as COVID. It's the perfect bioweapon. This is what he says. He then basically says that this is the most evil thing that he's ever encountered in his entire life. At this point, he basically says that in Christianity, the serpent is a symbol for evil. And... This ties in with the venom, and and he makes the point, can you think of anything more evil than envenomating the entire world? Um, No, that's pretty evil. No, it's pretty bad, yeah. 
yeah, you know that that's that's that is that that is up there certainly. But at this point, basically, he's also indicating that the vaccines are also venom. So at this point, COVID is venom, remdesivir is venom, and the vaccines are venom. So everything's venom, and this is what's causing the problem. And so this 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 three pronged approach is how they've managed to convince the world, along with the fact checkers and the science world, that basically there's not a pandemic, people are being envenomated. It's kind of interesting that they haven't really put like the black goo in there yet to do with Marvel venom. And <laughs> Well, it, well, it, well it's, it's funny that you say that, because he then goes on to point out that the uh, vaccines also have magnetic material in them. So, So he kind of does... This is the idea that I can't even remember what they think. Graphene oxide. There's, there's a theory that basically there's graphene oxide and or nanoparticles in the vaccines, and that these are making people magnetic. Sounds silly, but you know when they turn that massive magnet on over the top of the city, and you all go flying up and like the rapture. Don't come crying to me. <laughs> like it, you've been warned. The rapture. Um, yeah. <laughs> i've never heard that that's amazing it, it all ties in it all ties in he then basically goes on to say that operation mockingbird is a thing and operation mockingbird is a thing it's definitely a thing i've spoken to a professor of things and they confirmed for me that this thing is a thing um operation mockingbird it is actually a genuine thing it, it's a it's a cia misinformation and disinformation campaign for want of a better explanation it's the CIA essentially approach journalists and they have a lot of journalists on their books who will write stories that are beneficial for the government or for foreign policy or for uh, whatever it is that they wish to promote at that time. This is a genuine thing that's been exposed in the past. Like there's, there's loads of quotes about it, stuff like, you know, we own the CIA saying we own everybody of significance in, in media publications or we don't have to worry about journalists in this particular publication because we own people at a board level, stuff like that. So this does exist. It's, it's, it's a thing to basically promote certain propaganda uh, through the American media. But what he says is that there was a show from 2016, a television show called Blacklist that has got James, uh, James Spader in it. And there's an episode, it's episode 15 from series four. So they've got quite a few series. I've never heard of this, but apparently it's uh, ran for at least four seasons. And in this show, someone is poisoned with a drink. And it turns out that this poison was made by this character who sort of makes potions by mixing like various snake venoms together. He's, he's kind of like, a, almost like a sort of Bond villain type. And what he's done is he's created this poison out of snake venoms um, and he's put it in this guy's drink and they've got to figure out how, what it is that is killing him uh, and et cetera, et cetera. And also in this show, at one point there's a snake in it, which is obviously significant. And, um, a character says Corona of death. Oh, <laughs> in it now Corona, obviously the coronavirus, COVID the, again, the, this is all forward shadowing indicating what the Illuminati would be doing years down the line with with snake venom and in a, in the actual show as well it, it transpires that the snake that they get the venom from is a crate now if you remember that the initial studies it was banded crates and cobras that were, were potentially the reservoir so and there's there is a shot of a cobra in it so although i'm being a bit bitchy basically there are certain connections within it 
artist says, this is proof, this, this television show, remember, this is proof that it was planned all along. Peptides from crate venom in his drink. And then that was what led me to realize how they'd been spreading this. And then he shows uh, a COVID test, uh, and uh, LFT. If you run them under a tap, they, they sometimes give a positive reading. And what he's saying is that basically this shows that there is COVID in the water. He then points out that, isn't it weird that the CDC does wastewater testing for COVID? He says that basically they'll go to an area, they'll test the wastewater, uh, and if they see a rise in levels of COVID in the wastewater, they can predict that there's going to be a rise in levels of COVID in the community. And he looks at Stu Peters, and Stu Peters has this epiphany that, but that's backwards, isn't it? How can they use COVID in the wastewater in order to indicate that COVID's going to happen uh, and there's going to be a rise of COVID cases. And uh, Ardis doubles down on this and he says, it's worse than that. If it's in the wastewater, it's already passed through you, which means that you won't have symptoms because the disease isn't in you anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, then he starts to elaborate. He says that, have you ever noticed, have you ever noticed that when people suck venom out, they lose taste and smell. Now, this is a, this yeah. is a trope, right? Okay. You've seen it in loads of uh, things. You know, someone gets bit by a snake and you have to suck the venom out, you know? Um, and he says that on occasions when this has happened, and he makes references to two cases, basically the people experience either a change of taste or a complete loss of taste uh, and, and smell. Uh, and that, he notes, is also a symptom of COVID, which, again, is... a not further sort of clue that actually this is venom, not some sort of novel virus. He says they're using the water systems to target specific demographics. They're absolutely confident that the peptides they have chosen for COVID circulated throughout the earth and throughout the populace and the vaccines and the mRNA specifically target organs like your spleen, your pancreas, your brain, your lung tissue, liver tissue, and heart tissue. That's not specific, is it? That's almost every organ in the body. But again, let let's not get bogged down in that right yeah, yeah. He, he says so the point is it's to target the sick but then he also makes the point that the water companies aren't in on this but this is this is his theory the venom is in the water they're delivering the venom to you through the water so you're drinking the venom you're becoming ill people assume that it's covid and this is the way that they uh, perpetuate this fraud uh, on everybody but the water companies aren't in on this he reiterates this it says COVID is crate venom and cobra venom. You drink it, it gets into your brainstem, it paralyzes your diaphragm, making you unable to breathe. And by diaphragm, he means the, the, the muscle under your chest. He doesn't mean the prophylactic. <laughs> uh, uh, so just in case anyone was confused by that. Then he, he sort of harks back to this uh, nicotine thing. He says that smokers aren't affected by COVID. He says that, that this has been shown particularly in Italy early on, that if you're a heavy smoker, you don't get COVID. And this is because of the nicotine receptors. The nicotine literally sort of coats these receptors in the brain, stops the snake venom from actually uh, affecting you. And he says that nicotine protects you from COVID-19 because, again, it stops the venoms connecting with your brain, which stops them paralyzing your diaphragm, which means that you can't breathe. Um, which, again, does that mean that heavy smokers would be immune to snake bites? 
No idea. And again, he cites a nicotinic hypothesis for COVID-19 with preventative and therapeutic implications from June 2020. And active smoking is not associated with severity of COVID-19 from March 2020. And these are two scientific papers. But then he basically just doubles down on this and he says that basically if by the time that you that this has affected you, they'll stick you on a ventilator and by that point you're done because they'll just kill you with morphine uh, and fentanyl because morphine and fentanyl also mimics venom, apparently. Everything mimics venom. Um, so so that, that's, that's what he's saying in his theory. He then points out that virus in Latin means venom. This is the text. It says, the English word virus is based on a Latin word for poisonous secretion, and early on, it kept to the original meaning of venom, either the literal or the figurative kind. And I've no idea. That's all it shows up on the screen. I've looked at that, uh, that article. I can't make head and tail of it, if I'm brutally honest. He, he points out that, that corona in Latin um, is a gold clued stripe around the lower edge of a clerical headdress as of a mitre. Um, now, a mitre is a, is a hat. and it can, it, it, He Googles it and he finds the Pope, basically. The Pope wears a mitre. Um, and the corona is the gold fringe uh, that's sort of around the brim of it. And what he takes from this, his, his um, translation, is that coronavirus could actually mean... Uh, a, a translation that he comes from it is it could read the pope's venom pandemic lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office more than once actually do i have to say yes you do in the car before my kids pta meeting really yes excuse me what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky i never win and tell well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So coronavirus pandemic could mean the Pope's virus pandemic. So corona means the Pope, virus is venom, pandemic is pandemic. But there's also a further, yeah, exactly. There's a further reading to this. See, corona could mean crown which means king and then Stu peters points out king cobra <laughs> <laughs> no no be fair yeah. so it could mean either pope's venom pandemic or king cobra venom pandemic in latin which is just totally giving the game away isn't it i mean like whoever's planned this is that that by their hubris will they fall like like you know then this is the the ultimate plot he says that that what this is about it's not really about killing people although that is what they are doing by putting venom in the water so that you drink it and then it's disguised as a, a as a respiratory virus he says it's all about getting evil serpent dna in your body he says this is more of a religious war on the entire world i've been adamant about that actually the message of christ forever was that he was the master healer and faith precedes all miracles not vaccines and Stu peters points out that he made a blind man see and he touched a leper now when he says he touched a leper it's not like you know touched a woman on the bus like he cured this leper like yeah. he's not phrased it terribly well there but but that's what he means like he's not inferring that you know 
years after his death, there'll be some sort of Jimmy Savile type revelations about Jesus and his predilection for young lepers. No, it's, it's nothing like that. But Ardis says, well, so if, if we believe in God and Jesus was the master healer, why are we putting all our faith in drugs and medicine? Why is a man of cloth putting faith in science and a drug more than he's telling people to pray to God? So my favorite bit, <laughs> he seems to be saying that we shouldn't really do medicine at all, that we should sort of try and pray the illness away. Um, Again, you know, have at it if uh, if you think that's a, we're not recommending that, right? So no, no filling your lungs with piss, <laughs> no smoking to wicked excess, right? Okay, and no trying to pray away diseases, right? Okay, uh, we, we have to be absolutely clear on those three points. I'm afraid. Does this Stu Peters saying that? Sorry, no, this is Ardis saying it about pray to God. Yeah, 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 pray to God. <laughs> Don't go see a doctor, even though he's a doctor. <laughs> yeah chiropractor if you got a bad back just pray for it don't come to see me don't go on Ardis's <laughs> site and buy any of the products that he sells right just just have a jolly good pray um but he backs it up he says god's greatest creation is you and you are made up of dna strands of genetics that are unique to you if i was going to do something incredibly evil how ironic would it be that the catholic church would use the symbol of an animal that represents evil in all religion you take that serpent and you figure out how to isolate genes and you get those genes from a serpent to inject itself into your God-given DNA. I think that's the plan, to get the serpents, the evil ones, DNA into your DNA. And he says that they're using mRNA extracted from king cobra venom and they want to get that inside of you to make you a hybrid of <laughs> Satan. Yes. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> Exactly. I mean, he, he claims that all the, the mRNA um, in the mRNA vaccines has been taken from uh, King Cobras. Um, and he basically cites this paper called Moderna co-founders using mRNA tech to treat venomous snake bites. Um, so, yeah, that, that was Watch the Water. It's, um, it's a very controversial documentary. It posits that COVID is actually venom in the water. Uh, the water companies aren't in on it. Remdesivir is also venom. The vaccines are also venom. They're derived from cobra venom. And it's a plot to either kill you or to inject your DNA with Satan's DNA, which apparently comes from snakes. Um, so, yeah, you know, that, that, that's his theory. This is Dr. Graham Botley, a viral immunologist. Although our hosts may be charming, please be aware that they are not medical experts. Please refer to your local health authorities for medical information and follow the guidelines recommended by the World Health Organization. If you have any further questions, you can contact me on Twitter at Incytometry. Enjoy the rest of the show. Wow. I mean, it's, yeah, you know, it, that, it's a theory, isn't it? But strangely... The very next day, he went on a show called The Steel Truth, which is a, a QAnon-style show. And he appears to be not too happy with Stu Peters. As I say, this is literally the day after. This is what I was hoping would happen, is that people would take what I was, what I was relating, and, and they would go and do their own research. He, he basically says that he doesn't have everything, uh, but he feels that Stu Peters in many ways has misrepresented him, which is okay. 
But he says he talks about the SPLA2 enzyme in relation to the elevated amounts found in COVID patients. Remember, it's, it's similar to the one that's found in rattlesnake venom, and it, basically this is found in elevated levels in, in COVID patients. And he says that someone called either Kelly or Kerry Kingston, who I don't know who it is, and I've been trying to find out, but I can't find out who it is. Like, I initially thought he said Kerry King, who's a guitar player from Slayer, but it's not that at all. Um, so apparently they, they texted him and said, oh my God, I'm going through the patents for the COVID vaccines and they all have that enzyme in them. So what she's saying is she's going through the ingredients lists of all of the vaccines that are available on the market supposedly to treat COVID and they've got this enzyme in them, this SPLA2-11A enzyme that is found in rattlesnake venom is found in all of the vaccines according to this Kingston person. Um, and that again, is further evidence that shows that this is actually venom, uh, either rattlesnake or crate or cobra. It's not entirely clear which, and they all do do different things, but let's not get bogged down with, you know, minutia. So he says that patents for adenovirus uh, vaccines also have venom in them during the manufacture, and it's very, very common that venom is used in the manufacture of vaccines. And so this is how they've been able to slip it in to to the covid vaccines he also says that someone called james runrig or i don't know someone from amp media who again i don't know who this person is but he he texts him he says hey dr artist so again they're obviously close hey dr artist people from around the world want to know why covid doesn't affect children as much as adults and the three of them have a bit of a chat about this and he basically says that research shows that melatonin is a proven inhibitor of snake venom and children have higher levels of melatonin than adults do so what he's suggesting is that basically the melatonin that would i suppose in theory protect and uh, immunize if you like children from snake bites also basically stops them from getting covid because basically covid is snake venom now what melatonin is is it's a, a hormone i may be wrong it's something in you that basically induces sleep um and there are higher levels of it in children than there are in adults this is why basically when you get to be old you start waking up at four in the morning and potting around all the all the, all the time whereas when you're a child like you know particularly as a baby you'll sleep and sleep and sleep it, it's just one of those things and so that that that's their theory that that this this venom thing ties in because it shows that there's there's an explanation as to why children aren't getting it. Um, Artis then reveals that that you remember the text that he got uh, with his mate desperate to know whether he should go to the hospital or not. Um, that was from a chap called Doctor Richard Bartlett. He's not a COVID denialist, but he's he's a doctor that claims that he has got what's called a silver bullet. He, he basically claims that. Um, Budesonide, uh, which is an asthma treatment, he thinks that this is um, a cure-all for COVID. He thinks that it completely works across the board and that it's a crime that this isn't being sort of more widely used. And essentially, we don't need to worry about COVID because this is a cure for it. Uh, and he also says that it reduces hospitalizations by 90%. Um, so why aren't we using this budesonide? So that was the person that... Uh, that sort of sparked his his theory that it was it was venom so this thing about the water he's a bit upset about it because he feels that that that's not his main thing he feels that it's been kind of 
misrepresented that he said it's in the water despite the fact that he repeatedly said that it's in the water um, he claims that he's, he didn't really mean that it was in the water but it is in the water okay that might sound confusing but but it'll all become clear um, anyway he says can you prove that this bioweapon is in the water i need to address this real quickly because dr richard bartlett called me and said dr ardis because they're obviously close you need to handle this water thing Ardis, he then basically says, I didn't go see Stu Peters about the Venom thing. I went to there to, you know, hire him as a bodyguard. And then when basically we, we did this documentary and every time he put a, um, a trailer out, I got in touch with him and said, no, no, that's not what I'm saying at all. I don't want people to focus on the, the fact that it's in the water. I mean, he asked me how I thought it was distributed. And I said, I think it's distributed in the water. But he took that and he blew it up as the big story. I called him immediately every time he released the teaser trailer, calling it Watch the Water. That wasn't my story. My story was never to create fear, panic and anxiety about the water. I just happened to tell him that I believe that they're doing it in the water. So <laughs> he, he then, he, uh, yeah, he then goes on to say, by the way, I still believe that it's in the water. Um, but for all future interviews, please stop asking me how I know it's in the water. It is in the water. It's in the water. You want to know how I know it's in the water? Because the CDC has 400 sites right now where they are PCR testing your city water looking for it. It is obviously in the water. But he doesn't want you to panic and think that it's in the water, but it is in the water. <laughs> He says, actually, they've increased this to 647 sites. So stop asking me how I know it's there. They know it's there. That's what they're looking for. And, uh, yeah. So, again, he wishes to reiterate that, basically, the, the CDC are looking for it in wastewater, which proves that it's there, which proves that it's in the water, which proves that he's right. But uh, someone actually disagrees with him, though, actually. Like, uh, someone on the show says, uh, or texting or whatever, and says, this is the biggest conspiracy theory yet. There's no way to put anything in the water supply of all the utilities all around the world. I worked in the largest U.S. water company for 36 years. In order to contaminate the city water, the snake oil would need to be injected in many places that are heavily guarded. This snake oil would also have to be continuously injected since the water moves out of the system every few days, which is a fair point. And Ardis says, hey... These people may know more about the water supply than I do. I do not mind admitting at some point that I was wrong about my suspicion that it's in the water. I mean, it is in the water. I mean, they are PCR testing the water. You cannot say they aren't doing that. They are finding SARS-CoV-2 and they're making predictions for cities in this country about when the next break outbreak is based on water levels of SARS-CoV-2. It is in the water. If they are finding SARS-CoV-2 in the water, and that's what they're doing, they just PCR test and make predictions about outcoming uh, outbreaks in your city. If they're doing that, are they also filtering the water to get SARS-CoV-2 out of the water? I mean, if they're not, I mean, I don't know this. Someone should really find this out. Because if it's recirculating at high levels and they can predict that you're going to get sick, there will be an outbreak. You know, all these people are drinking the water and they're just filtering it and putting it back in your tap and your showers. 
So it's in the water, but he doesn't want you to panic or to, to really think that it's about the water. So he then says, but the story's not the water. The story is that they are envenomating people, either with water or a respiratory virus or through gain-of-function techniques where they added literally spike proteins of common crate snakes and cobra snakes. That is what we know. And people say it would be hard to spread it in the water, but, and this is where you go, Oh, yeah. All right. That's a bit smart. Don't you think it would be harder to spread venom through the air? Yeah. <laughs> Very fair point. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Except for chemtrails. <laughs> well, oh, now we've opened a can of worms, a can of snakes. <laughs> snakes on a plane. Oh, there you go. <laughs> pre, 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 pre-programming. Like, Oddis then goes to repeat about 50 times that they are testing the water and that he's definitely in the water, whilst also repeating that he doesn't want people to focus on the water or be afraid of the water or ask him any questions about the water. So he's a bit like sort of like a backwards promo for Jaws, basically. (laughs) Stay in the water, like, even though it's dangerous. Then, Then they go on to basically say, there's a Senate candidate for Republicans in illinois called bobby pitton and he's got a false hip and he's had coal bolts put on his hip he's been reserviced and he says that ever since he's had that he can't eat soy soy is toxic to him and what they postulate is that maybe this cobra venom is interacting with soy and killing people somehow they don't really elaborate on it but that that's their theory they also talk about then fibers that have been found by coroners this is this has mostly been put about by a bloke called john o'looney no that's definitely his real name um (laughs) and there are no coincidences as we know um so what is that symbolize who could say he's a coroner down south somewhere in england and he's sort of got a bit of fame in the sort of telegram world because basically he says that he's finding stuff in dead bodies like that indicates something dodgy i mean he's a coroner so how he he knows this one of the main sort of things that he's found is that these sort of he he says that this sort of clots or 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 abnormal structures that he's pulled out of people's veins and he's shown pictures of these um and the suggestion is that they're sort of jumping on is that um that this is a this is a part of uh, of the vaccines. Uh, this this is uh, what's killing you. It's nothing to do with the uh, disease or anything or anything other than that. It's clearly something to do with with the vaccines. That's what they've been saying. Um, and then uh, Ardis backs this up by saying, "Well, yeah, well, because the vaccines contain snake venom." He says that every aspect of COVID, the neurological, the coagulative impacts, all of the symptoms of COVID, that's all snake venom. And um, the host points out that, well, when I had COVID, I had a really hard time breathing. Um, and, you know, she points out that, that snake venom can make your lungs paralyzed. So she believes that that is definitely, definitely a possibility. A few days later, um, Brian Ardis then goes on to um, a show with Mike Adams. Um, Mike Adams is, is natural news. He sometimes appears on InfoWars. He's got short white hair um i'm sure people have known him he's sort of anti-everything he's, he's one of these people that just doesn't really have a big trust in science or uh, the mainstream so brian artist is on there again and this is called 
Brian Ardis answers the top questions on his Venom theory. And again, he wants to basically clear this up because, you know, he feels that he's been somewhat misinterpreted. He says, I was worried that the information would be so monstrous that people would deflect immediately and not trust the information or even consider looking at it. But the overall response has been way more supportive than I imagined. 90% of responses have been, oh my God, that makes sense. Um, and he says that he's not actually an expert on water supplies and he wants experts to actually fill the gaps in his theory. And, and then he goes on to say that basically water has not been my story. That's just not the biggest part of the story. I mean, it is, but whatever. Like, I've been repeating, what, whatever this bioweapon is, it's not very good because it's got a 99.97% survival rate. And this is, again, this is a trope that, that's um, flowed about. Uh, that The CDC apparently and various other institutions, one in Sweden, have said that COVID has actually got a 99.97% um, survival rate and uh this this is what he's just flashing up at this point he then says even if the water is the source i never thought it was dangerous i never thought it was horrific demonizing it saying look at the water now, it's, it's curious that he says that he didn't want to demonize it because he did literally <laughs> say that it would imbue your dna with <laughs> satan's dna um so I don't know how you could more demonize a subject, um, but unless he's uh, painted it with a Pazuzu mask or something. But anywho, Mike says, though, actually, Dr. Ardis, because they're close, he says that he thinks that the water as a source is plausible because they're already poisoning the population with toxic fluoride. And Basically, Ardis then does yet another flip because he totally agrees with Mike that he agrees with him about the water and that anybody that says that this theory is ignorant or stupid is a very silly person indeed. So he's back to saying that it's the water. And then he says, when people ask, what proof do you have that it's in the water? Why not look at what the CDC has been doing? They have got 400 water testing sites and they're sticking cotton swabs, doing PCR testing on your water, looking for these weapons. So again, he's, he's basically saying that even though it's not the water, it's definitely water and the CDC are testing the water, which means that it's definitely in the water. And he says, well, yeah. Mike Adams turns around and says, yeah, but they're going to tell you that that's wastewater, which is, you know, toilet water. It's not drinking water. And Ardis says, well, yeah, but are they really going to filter that wastewater? Then it's going to become your source water. I can't see anything that the CDC has shown me that they aren't only testing the water for SARS-CoV-2, this really deadly pathogen. And then at the same time, they're filtering it out of the water before they give it back to you. I've never seen that. But then he goes on to basically sort of like go, well, maybe it's not in the water. Maybe it's in the air or maybe it's on surfaces. Maybe it's in the water. I think it's in the water, but the weapon is venom. So that's the whole point. It's about how they deliver uh, the venom. He then points out that he's found this um, article from the British Medical Journal that says there are two health crises in the world, snake bites and COVID-19. Two crises, but they have one research and development in common. There's only one research and development opportunity to handle both. You want to know why? Well, because basically it's the same thing. Apparently, uh, it's, the, it's absolutely the same thing. And he says that basically this, this paper mashing together the COVID-19 crisis and snake bites shows that basically at, at some level they're aware of this and that are using this to sort of drive uh, COVID studies, basically. And then the final thing that he says... 
Lisinopril, which is a heart medicine, um, is actually made from snake venom. Uh, and he goes so far as to say, like a lot of people are saying that basically, you know, this is a very, very crazy theory. But if you take something like Lisinopril, that is, he says, his, his exact words are, that is pure snake venom. So you are drinking snake venom when you take this heart medicine. What he's inferring from this is that it's not actually as wacky as all that, that people would be sort of mucking about with snake venoms um, and the idea that they could put it into the water or use it in some sort of way, disguising it um, from from the rest of the sort of scientific world as a medicine, whilst actually delivering uh, a venom, has got precedence it's been done before it's currently going on uh, and that's what he, he believes it is so that is dr brian Ardis's theory that covid doesn't exist uh, that it's actually snake venom and it's been delivered to you through the water supply yeah <clears throat> well i'm absolutely terrified of absolutely everything right now i do not want to drink anything i don't want to eat anything <laughs> everything's got venom everything's venom i'm never bathing ever again <laughs> I'm not completely. Uh, I'm not completely convinced that he isn't just the guy living on Stu Peter's couch, and they just put a suit on him. <laughs> just yeah, yeah, that could be. <laughs> it certainly could be. <laughs> uh, like the, the, yeah, I mean, it's a wacky theory. It, like it is one of these sort of things. Again, it, it does appear to have started with an idea and then tried to fit evidence around it. Maybe he's, he's accurate. Who knows? We're going to go through the evidence and sort of have a look at it. What he does tend to do is, is speak very, very fast, cite a lot of papers, cite a lot of disparate things and sort of give the impression of, of dots being joined like that. There, there are certain things that, well, you know, we've, we've heard his presentation. If everything that he says is accurate, then it does look very convincing that remdesivir might be bad for you and it looks like he's got some sort of potential theory going on so we'll need to go back over it and see if if it holds any water well, hey so jack what are your first thoughts on the whole documentary and because you you observe some of the people that would believe this thing how many of them do believe it nowadays first impressions of this Doco, I, I I just want to say I loved it. I thought it was a it was a hoot. <laughs> <laughs> it was basically like a a shit Joe Rogan experience episode in in the middle of that pandemic. It's kind of like if someone took the piss out of the Robert Malone interview with Joe Rogan or the Peter McCullough. Uh, that was kind of like the comedy sketch version of. Also, like, to even call it a doco, it's pretty much a podcast. It's just a chat that they have and they just edit in a few things. Like, it's, mm. it's, it's pretty kind to call it a doco, isn't it? But um, <laughs> uh, I also just absolutely love anyone just trying to link religion, good and evil, and God in with... Uh, in <laughs> with the sciences and neil you missed one i think possibly the best part of the entire doco was the mm-hmm. ending when he opened the fortune cookie oh and, god and yeah the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and the fortune cookie had uh two words in, in mandarin or something and it was the same name of the it was the same name as the guy that that had been shot wasn't it yep yep so i mean amongst all this god is is talking to this guy <laughs> God is sending a direct message. Through the medium of a fortune cookie in a Chinese restaurant. I mean, what more do you need than that? 
Like this guy's on a mission from God. I mean, he does reiterate that a lot um, that he is on a mission from <laughs> God. Like now, a lot of them are. Yeah, now he may well be. Who who knows? Like, <laughs> or it may be sort of an, an ego thing potentially. But I'll tell you what yeah. I was surprised about. This actually got a lot of traction. Like, I know of a lot of people that that genuinely believe it still. Like, and they will will refer to COVID, the vaccine, and or the medicine as snake oil. Like, that is still like a very prevalent thing. The snake oil is going around and stuff. So, yeah, a lot of people, particularly when this first came out, I I think I was probably the same as you when when I first heard it. It was like, well, I'm watching this. Like, this this is like this is going to be good. Like, and. Yeah, was came out of it thinking, huh, that is that is a that is a theory. Certainly, uh, it's it, it does seem wacky and quite far out there. Doesn't necessarily mean that it doesn't like you know that that it's nonsense or anything. But it was, yeah. There's a lot to take in there. It's a, essentially you know a global plot that involves the Vatican somehow. And the Vatican, in cahoots with every government in the world, is trying to put Satan into you. Um, which, you know what it reminded me of, that, that aspect of it? It reminded me of, like, Jack Chick and all those Chick tracks and stuff like that. Because it was the, the, some people tend to think that the Illuminati, the New World Order, the whatever, is like a Jewish conspiracy or a communist conspiracy or a communist Jewish conspiracy. There's some that actually think that it's the Catholic church as well. The Catholic church is the seat of the whore of Babylon and et cetera, et cetera. So, so that's what it reminded me of. Now, I don't know, but one of the things that I did find out about Brian Ice was that he was educated at a Mormon university. Uh, I don't know if he's Mormon himself, but you were saying Brent, that there's actually sort of a kind of a history with Mormons of not, basically getting on they have beef so to speak with uh, with the catholic church most of american protestantism has got a complete beef with catholics that's the reason they exist yeah right to oppose to oppose catholicism yes i suppose that's true actually isn't it just, yeah that, that is uh, yeah definitely but yeah so that that's his uh, his theory well, thank you for listening to part one Brian Artis watched the water. Flip the record for part two.